You're listening to Building Markets Together, brought to you by the EEX Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Building Markets Together. My name is Lucas Odoi from the EX Group Innovation Platform, and together with my colleague Clara Steffes from the EX Group Sustainability Committee, we want to lift the curtain and talk about what happened and is happening in terms of innovation throughout the commodities business. Yes, hello, everyone. Today's episode of Building Markets Together will be all about building sustainable markets together. So a topic which could not be more important at the moment. And we are very happy to welcome Peter Reitz as a guest to this first podcast episode. Peter is the Chief Executive Officer of the European Energy Exchange, as well as its clearinghouse European Commodity Clearing, which are both part of EEX Group. Hello, Peter. How are you today? I'm fine. Hello, everybody. Nice to have you here. So um, let's start with the first question. So as a CEO, you have a huge responsibility. And with EX Group now developing sustainable energy markets, how did you manage to get all the different people and entities aligned towards this goal of a more sustainable market? Actually, that was not a big job to do. Uh, all of our team is committed to that. And it's always been part of the DNA of EX and the various parts of EX group. So I didn't have to align a lot. I just had to coordinate so that we can get the best out of what motivates big part of our staff already every day. Okay, so you would say sustainability is also a part of EX group strategy now? It's part of our vision, it's part of our strategy, it's part of our DNA. Uh, it's what we do when we look at ourselves every day. We're trying to get more sustainable as a company, but obviously we do have a huge leverage also beyond EX group itself by organizing more sustainable markets for the bigger energy community. So you said it's part of the DNA. So what would you say is the most notable thing EX did about sustainability until now? As I said, it has two parts. One is what we're doing as a company in our office every day to make sure that we're uh, reducing the resources that we're consuming and so on. But I think the more leverage we have with the markets that we organize for the energy community and The most notable one is probably the uh, emissions market. So EX has for 15 years now been part of the EU ETS. We are the auctioning platform for all of the EU member states and some other states in Europe. And uh, I think through that, we can make a huge contribution to uh, giving uh, CO2 emissions a price and creating transparency for that market so that all uh, entities around us can use that price signal and align their sustainable investments to it. Is there anything planned in the future in terms of innovation you can give some insights to? Well, that market has been around for some time, but the emissions market as a whole is still in a very early stage of development. And that is true for the uh, cap and trade mechanisms. The EU has been uh, a forerunner, forefront runner for this, uh, but they are emerging in other parts of the world. And we are trying to be 
part of that and share our experience, share our knowledge about these markets to build similar uh, ones in different parts of the world. We just did one in New Zealand together with our partner in the New Zealand Stock Exchange. So that world is emerging, but it's only one part of the emissions market. We also have the voluntary carbon market where there is still a lot of work to do to get to a standardized exchange traded product, but we're working on that as well. And if we think really long term in terms of uh, different elements of sustainable markets, certainly what has to be mentioned here also is the hydrogen market. That will be part of a sustainable energy world. And we are helping already to establish also a trading market for hydrogen. Okay, now we have been talking about a lot of sustainability and getting a greener market. And I want to speak about the topic of greenwashing. Is it an accusation that comes up when companies are dealing with this important topic, but it means they present themselves as more sustainable as they really are? What do you think and about it? And how do you think an exchange can provide a market environment that encourages the market participants to not greenwash their products, but seriously take actions to become more sustainable? I think the key to that is really transparency, uh, not only about the prices, that's where an exchange can obviously play an important role, but also for um, transparency on methodology. That's why the uh, taxonomy discussion that's currently uh, been finalized is very important so that people actually have a full picture of what they're measured by. And then I think the potential for greenwashing is, is diminished to a great extent. So if we're talking about standards, do you think it's truthfully a good idea if there's only one person or one company going forward and taking the stacks and setting up standards or do you think it's the best way to form alliances and look around what the other people around the globe are thinking on that topic? I think this will develop in steps. If we wait for the one big thing to emerge that is then used globally, we will wait a very long time. But we have to act now. That's why I think it's more important to uh, support local initiatives and link them to the extent possible. That's why we are also engaged in different parts of the world, as I said, in sharing our knowledge and helping others to develop something. By that alone, we're trying to influence the way these markets are set up so that a global standard will emerge, so that it will become easier at a later stage to link these different markets. Because ultimately the goal that we have to Uh, go after is a global price of emissions. What steps have you or EX taken from now on to go towards that goal? Well, as I said, we're partnering with different other players in different parts of the world. Whenever a new ETS is set up, we're trying to influence it in the way that uh, it's easier to link them at, at a later stage. So by that, we're trying to establish certain minimum standards, for example, in the way the product is defined. And uh, that will allow us to uh, link them at a later stage. Do you think there are some really 
essentials an energy exchange has to provide for this transition towards a more ecological economy apart from the emissions trading because obviously there's not just emissions trading there's normal trading of freight and so on what are the steps been taken now or what are the steps going to be taken in the future well our biggest market is not the emissions market it's the power market and the power market is going through a huge change towards more renewable energies And for that, it is important that the way we organize that market facilitates the integration of renewable energies into the existing power trading market. And we've done a lot to uh, facilitate that integration. It starts at the very short end of the curve, because if you have uh, renewable energies like solar and wind energy, they're not baseload uh, running every day at the same level. Sometimes you don't even know a few hours in advance how much wind there actually will be and how much power you can produce. So shortening the time before delivery that uh, you can still trade and adjust your position is a very important element. And that's what we did over the last uh, couple of years. First of all, we introduced Uh, shorter periods of trading. So you can trade now 15-minute contracts and you can trade them until five minutes before delivery. And that is particularly important for the producers of renewable energy because it allows them to adjust their position to the actual uh, production almost uh, close to real time. So that's at the very short end of the curve where we've done a lot to integrate renewable energies. The other element is when you build new capacity on renewable energy, you need to ensure financing. And the financing is usually done through long-term loans that have to have a long-term income stream attached to it. And that's where the power purchase agreement become a very important element. So we have just extended our range for the most important uh, European markets to up to 10 years in advance. You can trade power on EEX. And that allows you to sign a PPA agreement and then have that cleared. So you're not only hedging your price risk, you're also hedging your counterparty risk. Another really important element, if we want to encourage the built-up of new capacity in renewable energy. EX also recently launched the Zero Carbon Freight Index as part of its ongoing sustainable shipping initiative. Could you tell us more about that? Another good example of what we can do to bring um, more industries into this Uh, carbon market and into uh, sustainable energy markets. This is driven by uh, the EU initiative to also include the shipping industry into the EU ETS. But it can be a blueprint for other industries that uh, we need to cover because ultimately uh, an ETS should cover all the emissions in a particular region 
or country. So uh, as we expand it over time, um, creating transparency of what the true cost will be is one element where we can help to educate a whole industry on how to participate also in the emissions market and, and become more sustainable themselves. It seems like EX is kind of a front runner on emissions trading and bringing it to other terms of business. Were there some initiatives that did not go that well and maybe failed as a part of the change to take steps and actions and maybe risk to fail? Is there something that happened where you said like maybe we were ahead of the time and the market was not ready? Oh, yes, of course. That always happens when you go into uncharted territory. You have to try out several things. That's why this entrepreneurial spirit is uh, a very important value for us. And it's especially true in sustainability because that's at the heart of everything we do. So we tried several things. One important element of, of this whole equation is the uh, guarantees of origin, for example. And I think there has been a lot of effort to standardize those as well. But you, when you look at the market now, um, you still have a lot of different varieties of guarantees of origin. Now we run uh, registries for that as well. So we're supporting that market, but we also tried to standardize it and create a derivatives market on it. This was probably at the time way too early to do it. I still think that market will develop and we're doing another initiative, starting maybe more with the spot market to um, create an exchange market and create more transparency for guarantees of origin. I can give you another example. I mean, when these renewables enter the market, you also have different kinds of risk. One of the risks a, uh, a wind farmer is exposed to is the amount of wind that's actually blowing. And we can see it this year. It's a, it's a lot lower so far this year than, for example, last year. And that's obviously one that has a huge impact on the income stream out of that wind farm. So that's a risk you can also address uh, with a hedging strategy that uses um, either futures or some type of insurance instruments. So we tried a wind future to provide a hedging tool for this risk. Uh, again, it, it didn't fly at the time. Um, I think These risks can be hedged and should be hedged, uh, but that has not so far developed as an exchange traded market. It's more a reinsurance product uh, these days. But who knows? I mean, even that one could ultimately still become a exchange traded derivative. 
Okay, so speaking of the necessity to transform to a more sustainable economy, so we've all seen the weather extremes also now arriving in Germany at our doorstep, so to say, for example, with the flood catastrophe in and around Ahrweiler. So are you personally also worried about the rapidly changing climate we are now starting to experience? Am I worried about my uh, personal impact? Uh, not yet, but still it's something that I think it should uh, worry all of us. And we all should uh, think about, you know, what is it that we can do to contribute to uh, slowing it down or even uh, stopping it at some point. And, and it's clear that uh, each and every individual can do something to help on that front. So what would you say does sustainability mean to you personally? It's not that one thing that it means to me. It does have a lot of different aspects. Uh, obviously, one of the key elements is, is reducing your own carbon footprint. And first of all, you have to understand what is it that it is made up of. So, you know, what are you, uh, what kind of uh, transportation means are you preferring? Uh, that's true in your professional life, but also in your personal life. That is a big part of the uh, personal uh, emissions footprint. And then it, it then continues on, you know, how your housing and heating uh, behavior is and, and then all the way to your actually diet. Uh, if you're eating less meat, for example, then it does have a positive impact on your emissions uh, footprint. So there's a lot of elements to it. And uh, first of all, it's creating awareness on all of these and then reducing them in each of the areas uh, step by step. So as you're speaking of, of personal matters, so what would be interesting to hear, maybe do you have some examples on, on your personal matters to become more sustainable? Yeah, I, I mean, I talked about emissions and, and carbon footprint as one example, but it's also it's only one element of it. Uh, I think sustainability is much broader than that. But if we stay with that for a moment, obviously I, I'm trying to reduce it as well. I'm using a lot of public transportation within the city. I, I use my e-scooter uh, that I have. So I've, that is fueled by uh, green power. So even on that, uh, there's something you can do on a personal level as well. But as I said, it goes far beyond that uh, to avoid all the plastic uh, that we're using every day. We're trying to um, reduce it as much as possible. So we're buying stuff uh, uh, not in plastic wraps and, and so on uh, and trying to use uh, recyclable glass and, and things like that when, wherever we can. Uh, so. There's a lot you can do on, on your personal level as well. Was there one specific moment that made you realize I myself have to change my behavior to tackle this important topic? Like a journey, like realizing there's a lot to do and I have to start now. Yeah, I, I didn't have that one life-changing moment. Uh, it's something, if you read a lot about it, uh, actually the literature is actually very clear for at least 30 years uh, on what is going to happen and what the 
story, how the story will unfold if we're not changing. And uh, we are now seeing proof of that on what the scientists already described to us uh, 30 years ago. And that's part of the problem. It's, it's a crisis that is emerging in very long cycles. And uh, a lot of people also on the political level have a very short time horizon on their mindset. And that is something that we, we need to change. Um, there's a whole debate on, you know, how can we make sure this, this is a planet worth living on for future generations? And, and that's, I think, what, what should drive this. I didn't have this one moment where that became clear to me. As I read more and more about it, it became clearer and clearer. And, and then you start to change. But there's always things you can still improve on. Were there some incidents in your professional life that really faced you like climate is changing and weather is becoming more and more extreme that you experienced maybe in the last 10 years? I mean, we, we are quite uh, lucky that uh, we didn't have really personal effects to uh, to us as employees of, of EEX Group. But I mean, you, you can you just have to run around with open eyes. It, it, you can see it every day, be it you see it on the news or you can see it outside of your own window. And um, just that there wasn't any particular incident that happened to myself doesn't mean that I'm not noticing it. In fact, we did have some floodings uh, a couple of years ago where a lot of colleagues in the Leipzig area were affected directly. And we organized uh, help uh, from colleagues in the company uh, to uh, deal with the worst outcomes there. Uh, I mean, it was really devastating to see how their homes were destroyed, so on. So it is coming closer and closer. And, and that's uh, also hopefully raising the awareness. There's one crisis on ongoing, the pandemic, the last one and a half years, and it forces us to change measurements and adapt to it. Do you think there's some positive lessons EEX Group has learned during the pandemic and is still learning from it? Also, maybe in terms of sustainability? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're running basically the, the whole exchange and the clearinghouse from everybody's home. And uh, a couple of years ago, this wouldn't have been possible, but it, it does have a positive effect. I mean, we learned a lot on how we can use tools. Uh, I mean, we're not sitting in the same room now. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, if we had tried something like this, we probably would have. And we all would have traveled to a single place. Uh, and through that, to the commute every day, uh, we are reducing our footprint. And I think that's a journey. Uh, it will lead also, once this pandemic is over, to probably less uh, business travel, because people are much more uh, used to electronic tools and, and uh, a lot of meetings can be held on a virtual level and will be, I'm, I'm sure. I think we're not going back to the exact same world we were in before this pandemic started. 
Are there any positive things you took from the pandemic? Yeah, it's always a mixture. I mean, I, I miss my colleagues. I think there's still something to be said for personal interaction and seeing people face to face. But yeah, you, you, you win a lot of time if you don't have to travel all the time to see them and, and to uh, interact with not only your colleagues, but also other business partners, customers. It is a gain in efficiency, uh, time efficiency, uh, to, to be able to do many of these in a row without having to spend a, a lot of time traveling around the world. So you said you, you miss your colleagues, seeing your colleagues again, but when it comes like to your days off, is there anything else you're excited for or when the pandemic is over? Oh, yeah, it's not just the work uh, that has been affected. Obviously, the personal life as well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, rock music and I go to several rock festivals every year. And they couldn't uh, be organized in these days. And I'm really looking forward to... Uh, those concerts and festivals if they are when they are possible again. That sounds great. And now speaking of music, uh, last but not least, so there will be more possible company events in the future. So what would be your song of choice when we see each other again at a, at a company event? My song of choice? <laughs> well, for that, I would say it's not so much important what do I like, because I like, uh, you know, quite a variety of music, but mostly rock music. But If we're talking about a company event, I would prefer a song that, that uh, a lot of people like so that it actually contributes to the action. And, and we have some that, that have proven to be very effective in that regard in the past. One that I can think of is Remy Demi, a German song from Teichen. <laughs> Whenever we play that, the whole crowd gets excited. So I, if I had to put my playlist together for our next event, that would definitely be on it. That's a really good choice, Peter. Thank you so much. And we are looking forward to the next company event for sure. Definitely, so, um, yes. Thank you so much for these interesting insights today and for taking the time to talk with us. Sure. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank all. you. Thank you.